In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. My name is John Yule, and I pastor New Life Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and it is an honor to have you today. In fact, we're we're sponsoring this podcast at New Life Church. To find out more information about New Life, please go to newlifeokc.org. And uh, I've got my buddy, uh, one of my best friends, is going to do a second part with us today. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off at, on the last episode, and that is Jeremy Griffin. Again, Jeremy is the brainchild behind the Stream Grace Network, and I love everything about uh, what he's doing. And I'm just gl- honored that he would let me uh, be a part and uh, so you're you're at a great place here at Stream Grace. We've got a lot of different podcasts uh, that you can peruse. Um, and uh, I, I actually made mention in my sermon on Sunday that uh, one of my favorite podcasts on this network that I don't I don't know that I've missed an episode yet Uh-oh. is the Spiritually <laughs> Wounded podcast. It's just a great podcast. And so I encourage you to give that a listen uh, as well. So uh, once again, Jeremy, thanks for being here yeah, and thanks, thanks for letting man. us do this, man. Man, for sure. It's fun. It is fun. I mean, you, you're a brain. I don't know how you ever came up with this, but man, this is a great, great thing. I came up with it uh, because I thought, you know, if we would just record our our counseling sessions or our therapy sessions, <laughs> it would be so much more helpful. So that it, turned into a podcast. Well, it, it, it really, really would. And uh, so uh, just really quickly before we jump back into the story, what uh, take a moment and just kind of let everybody know uh, what was the uh, beginning of this dream inside of you? What, what, hmm. what brought it on? Well, <clears throat> I mean, it was actually uh, January of 2019. I was on stage, um, doing worship, <clears throat> the particular song we were singing, I was not leading. So I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I just had this picture and uh, God said to, uh, he's like, I want you to be, make yourself available for a church plant, which I thought was weird. Cause I am not that dude, you know? And so I, I sat on it for about a week, uh, shared it with our leadership. They concurred and then spent a year really thinking through what that looked like and started doing different things. And 
it really wasn't that, you know, this was just kind of these open, it's kind of to get you on the path. And so a year passed and January of 2020, uh, took a sabbatical and, um, you know, we're going into COVID and, and, uh, just all this stuff kind of unfolded a little bit. And I'm like, man, you really, I had been listening to a lot of podcasts and I did some just stat research, not with the idea to start a network necessarily at that point, but, um, and then I just thought, man, there's a, the reason I wanted to plant a church, like what was driving that in me was to create, you know, most churches just have one person speaking all the time or the majority of the time. And so I thought of all these churches in Oklahoma, uh, especially that exist. And it's like, you can't throw a rock without hitting one. And I thought, man, <laughs> yeah. surely, you know what I mean? Like, totally. it, it's hard for me to believe that, like, I, if I remember the last that I'd heard somewhere and who knows, it's probably made up, but. Um, there's more churches in America or in, in Oklahoma and maybe in America. Like if everybody in America went to church, there'd still be room mm-hmm. in the churches. Right. And so I'm like, well, then that makes very little sense to start another church. Plus again, it wasn't my thing, but what, what I did see is there are people that have to have, or that, that have something to say the Lord's put on their heart and to provide for them a platform to speak. And so, you know, you know, I've talked about this. There's probably a lot more to it, but, but ultimately um, when we create a podcast network, we create a place where a person who has something from the Lord, who isn't necessarily a pastor, doesn't have to start a church to share their heart. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the the main thing I think that kind of really turned the tide a little bit in that. Because I, again, I was looking at if I did plant a church, it would have different speakers every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, well, we don't need to plant a church. Let's just do it on the network and make it available to the whole world instead of just someone who can drive that's over right. to the building. So that's right. And I think it's a a great a great thing because uh, what I love about what we're doing is uh, it's not an either or, right? It is both. It's, it's that classic phrase that we're all used to hearing now. It's all of the above. Mm -hmm. And there is even more ways that, that as we progress, that we're going to be able to create platforms um, for people to easily step up on and uh, share whatever God has put in their heart. I mean, we, we are created by a creative God Mm -hmm. and the idea that only a few people get to express that creativity Mm -hmm. is not right. Um, but if we let everyone share what God places inside of them, whether it's a song or whether it's in spoken word or, or creative stuff, uh, in drawings or whatever, man, we get this kaleidoscope of of the essence of what God is, is expressing, Mm -hmm. uh, to the world. Well, I think too, if you think about it, I mean, um, in this, in this platform, I mean, you and I have a conversation. How many times do you have a great conversation with somebody? Anybody listening right now. You're mm-hmm. like, man, that was a great conversation. Um, to be able to share that. So many great things come, you know, the scripture that iron sharpens iron. So in the in the course of a conversation, there's moments of tension, moments, moments of a disagreement that aren't heavy or thick. It's just causing you to, to rethink something that maybe you thought, just tweak it a little bit. Well, when that happens in real life, it, or I mean in, in public it gives the listeners the same opportunity, right? So if I'm just talking, people have to, there's no dialogue, right? If I just monologue out like most preachers, um, people just decide whether they agree or disagree. And if they disagree, they feel all sorts of emotions. They they may not like, if they disagree enough, they don't like the speaking. You know, my favorite line is, boy, that's good preaching pastor, because I'm like, well, you mean you agree with it. (laughs) It may be great preaching, but you disagree with it, you know? Right. Um, 
So I think in that in that format, and the other thing is a lot of people don't want to, they can't talk for an hour or 45 minutes or 30 minutes by themselves, mm-hmm. but they can carry on conversations with somebody. And, and I think that's the real, the crux of it all is, you know, we create this space where a person can be really real and vulnerable. And it's in that that we really get so much value. Agreed. And if you're used to listening to uh, ministers or whatever on the radio, like, like my parents did or, or whatever, even those are straight. It's straight monologue. It's it's one one person's opinion, and there's place for that. Don't get me wrong, sure. but but not uh, everybody's but called not to do. Everybody it. is called to do that, and even those of us that maybe that's part of our gifting. What maybe the average churchgoer doesn't see is how much that God shares with us or puts in us that is from conversations that are happening all the way up. I mean, that happens to me all the time. I get an idea Mm -hmm. or or I hear something from the Lord, and now I've got these people in my life that I know I can either seed a conversation and see what this person has to say. I mean, you and I do that all the time. And uh, so I think that, that knowing that, this person isn't just sitting up here writing what he thinks. Cause there are so many times mm-hmm. where I might have an idea and then I start talking to people and you realize, wait a minute, that's, that's one sided view. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but you got to get multiple vantage points to really get a better understanding. And that's what I think this all is about. Yeah. It's vantage points. Well, and I think a guy like you, and, and there's, there's lots of folks like you too, but I think, you know, you take your week, right. And you're going to preach on something. Well, if you're studying that and you're going to talk about it, it's going to come out in your conversation anyway. Way. And so what I look at is a typical Sunday morning for for speakers and pastors like you is this is a summary of what I've gleaned through the course of a week or two of conversation. Mm-hmm. And and that's really what it is. I'm going to summarize, you know, hi, everybody. I'm going to summarize what I learned this week. And and to me, that's the, the right approach. You know, a lot of guys um, tend to and when I say this, a lot of pastors and, and preachers tend to just kind of regurgitate stuff um, and they kind of have their cycle of two, maybe even three years. Yeah. The really good ones. <laughs> right. Um, and it's not that they don't revisit it or, or whatever, but man, you know, the, the thing that I've learned about you and that I really appreciate is every, every week is fresh. Even if you're coming back to something, maybe you've talked about before you're, you take a fresh approach and you look at it new. And again, you do bounce it off of people. And I've, you know, I will say that, even the, the uh, I would say the majority of guys I've worked with do that, which I'm really grateful for that. Right. But um, man, I think that's just so key <laughs> to to really just being relevant is is uh, not trying to be relevant, but trying to grow your own life, growing your own belief right. systems and understandings, and really get the heart of God. So. Well, uh, I like where we're going, so let's just go just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a minute and talk about that philosophy. Um, you know, I really have taken a slightly different approach that really kind of is hard for some people to get used to. So for example, we have, I fully believe in counseling. It is imperative, you know, um, that people explore counseling. Mm -hmm. And so we have camp professional counselors that attend our church at new life. And it's so funny that, um, how many times they're sitting there and they're listening to something I say and think, Oh, I need to go fix that. <laughs> right. And so I was talking with someone just this past weekend and I, I just finally stopped and I said, let me explain something to you. 
I'm doing this intentionally. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel comfortable being the pastor who's got all the answers and and speak from that vantage point. I'm making a conscious effort to write and think about if I'm right in the middle of this issue, I want every, because to me that gives much more a, a broader net of people to say, Oh yeah, I recognize that idea or that, that thought mm-hmm. and then show them how you go from that to where, to what God's word says or, or where freedom, instead of just standing at the finish line saying, come on, you know, you guys can overcome this, grow up, let it go, which a lot of guys do. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, but I just, for me, I find so much more value in saying, okay, let me talk about when I struggled with inferior, inferiority and even saying, I still struggle with this, yeah. you know, um, because I don't know of too many alcoholics that once they get free, <laughs> go and hang out in bars. Right. Why do they not do that? Because they recognize, hey, this is still something I'm yeah. always working through. The struggle isn't necessarily meaning that you constantly feel inferior. Right. It means that you are efforting to understand your true identity and true value and where it wouldn't be a quote struggle for somebody else, maybe who didn't have that as a default setting. So it doesn't mean that you feel inferior. It means that you were constantly, you're, you're aware of that default setting and you were battling against it. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. I, so even Sunday, cause uh, from our message, we talked about inferiority a little bit as one of the points. And I love, I love what God is creating at New Life. I love that we're creating a place for people to come in and just openly say, I'm not okay today. Right. That's different. Yeah. You know, but also we have people that, that uh, take ownership from a caring for each other standpoint. And so, I mean, that inferiority thing that was up at the front half of the message and as soon as service was over, a guy who is a fantastic Christ follower walked up to me and said, can I pray for you about this inferiority thing? <laughs> you know? And I know what God has done in me, but it, <clears throat> it wasn't about the prayer. It was like, yes, God, this is what we want. We want to create a place where people are engaged mm-hmm. and feel like they can contribute in. And I don't always need you to pray for me, but I want to pray for you. So it was just cool. And, uh, uh, I think that we are going to get to things like that, even in the podcast, because yeah. to me, life is a struggle. Life is a journey. Everybody's got a story yeah. and we don't spend enough time listening to each other's stories mm-hmm. because we can always find something in common if we'll hear stories like yours. So Mm -hmm. you were, you've been in ministry. Mm -hmm. um, You've done professional audio for an NBA team, you and your wife, which is just amazing to me. Uh, Not that she's doing sound, but just that you guys would do that together and be so good at it. Yeah. The funny part of how that happened with her was just more like, Hey, uh, can you just go do this? If I show you how to do it real quick. And she's, she's pretty willing to do anything. She's a lot like me. I'm an, I initiate doing weird things and strange things. She's willing to do them. Right. So, <laughs> so it's like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I, now this isn't true. I'm not going to skydive, but <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, let's skydive. Um, and so if I told, and the scary thing is she's super easy to manipulate. And in this way, if you tell her you, uh, you probably can't do that. Well, oh yeah. Forget yeah, it. Forget it. You're done. <laughs> she's, she's gone. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of neat that, that we got to work together in that. And it was necessitated by me having, literally, I had a conflict at another, you mm-hmm. know, for hockey or baseball or somebody. 
I'm like, hey, why don't you go over here and rent sound? <laughs> so, yeah, she does good. She's she's better than I am. Well, you guys do that. You, I mean, you became their favorite, their choice, um, uh, which I think is cool. So you've got that experience. Um, you've been involved in audio recording, professional recording, um, as well as being involved in ministry. At some point, though, man, the stress has got <laughs> to take its toll. Mm-hmm. And did that happen to you? Yeah, man, it's it did. And, you know, I know in, in our part one, I, I kind of talked about, you know, 10 years ago where I started feeling that way and had to get out of it. And then it came back around, you know. So I, I took this sabbatical and God was teaching me about rest. And, and I don't remember if I talked about that in the last episode, but um, he, he just really started working with me about rest and what it really, really means. Rest is not the lack of movement or action. It's a state of mind within it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I talk about trees a lot when I talk about this analogy, you don't hear them straining to grow. You don't go to a forest and hear these screams, (laughs) Um, but they're always growing. You know, plants are pretty much always in motion. If you do a time lapse, you'll see them move, not just with the wind, but just in their growth. And so uh, he really started showing me this process of just like getting out there and, and the, the real crux of it was, I was doing things like, so God's gifted us all, right? So I was doing things out of the gift set that he gave me, but still not out of him. And I think we get really lost mm-hmm. in that. So, you know, you you take a power drill and <laughs> it's got power and it's designed to drill. And so the, it's really good at that, but it still needs to be used by the craftsman. So if, if I'm a craftsman and I've got a drill that just randomly goes off on its own, right? I'm not going to use that drill. Right. <laughs> it's not safe. And it's probably possessed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But so it's still, even though it's designed to do that, it's gifted to do it, it still needs to be used by the craftsman. And that's the thing. He he puts in us all these gifts. And so we have a tendency to go, well, I'm designed to do this, so I'm going to go do it at every chance, every opportunity. And, And a lot of times we make those opportunities. And so we're operating outside of his plan, building our own things. Right. Right. And so I guess the thing was, is that, you know, I learned that that was happening with me a lot. Like I have a a plan or an idea or something and I'm like, well, I can do this. I know how to do it. Um, And I'd go do it. And I think the other thing is I'm, I'm a follow through guy. I don't, I don't want to quit. And that hurt me too, because once I've committed to do something, I start doing it. If, even if it's in my own desire, has nothing to do with God. I got to follow through. I got to keep doing it. And, and it's like, no. I can't, I've got to be willing to say I was wrong or you don't have to go that far. I just have to stop doing the thing I'm not supposed to do. So yeah, I, the stress was crazy. And so after, um, after that sabbatical, I come back and I start having these same feelings like roughly 10 years later, I start feeling anxiety again and not to the same degree, but what I learned in that moment, I, you know, the first time is I thought, um, it was a combination of a bunch of external things. And while those contribute Really what they do is they just kind of bring to the surface the crap that's inside of you. Right. And so as I started feeling it again, it was I was much more sensitive to it. So I didn't get to the point where I thought I was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like the first time, which, boy, it was so real. <laughs> so, but, um, but I just knew something was up. So I, um, and, and let me just say this too. Intercessors are to, like some of the most valuable people in the world to me, maybe the most valuable. 
There's something really special about an intercessor. And I use that term, I, I think, somewhat generically because I think they often flow in words of knowledge, and that's really where it comes into play. But I had a intercessor come up to me and say, you look tired. And I said, oh, <laughs> this is on a Sunday, you know. And, uh, and she said, you know, you are, and I've talked about this before, but she said, you are, as a worship pastor, you're the tip of the spear. You're the, you're fighting in these battles, spiritual warfare. And a lot of times, um, you're getting shot by your own people. Um, inadvertently, you know, friendly fire happens. I play paintball a lot. Friendly fire happens. (laughs) Yeah, definitely happens. And so she said, um, it's, it's important we take care of our, our soldiers and our generals on the field. And so she said, have you ever thought about taking a sabbatical? And she was very gentle about how she approached it. And I was like, well, that's probably not a bad idea. Well, then two different people within the same week that did not talk to her all said the same thing. And they all said it in the same way. So I was like, okay, I need to do this. And what I realized is that, you know, there's something going on in me that needed to be addressed. So I sought counseling I was very aggressive because like anything I do, right, I'm all in. Right. So I read a book called Leading on Empty, which was really great. If, hey, I want to stop you right there because yeah. I'm telling everybody listening right now. In fact, if there's any way that we can put a link to Wayne Cordero sure. in, in this podcast, Wayne Cordero is a, is a pastor of a church in Hawaii mm-hmm. and um, uh, wrote a book, Leading on Empty, which is about his struggles with depletion right he had completely depleted himself and his life was in danger and it's a story of what god showed him through a sabbatical i would encourage any leader whether you're in ministry or not um i read all the time Mm -hmm. but i don't always keep all my books Mm -hmm. this one i've got and i've read it multiple times it's called uh leading on empty by wayne cordero and i'm i think it's great you found that book yeah my therapist recommended it so she's awesome um but I think other a group that I think absolutely needs to read it are people who are not full-time staff but are in leadership at churches, and they need to read it for the sake of their staff leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, because any church that is board-led or elder-led or, or group-led at any level but have staff, pastors, um, they need to understand the weight that those guys carry and, it's, and, and how, to, how to maintain them. Right. Because mm-hmm. mental health is about maintenance. You don't just it is. wait till the warning light comes on. Right. You maintain. And uh, and so I think, you know, regularly scheduled sabbaticals for folks is super important. Um, the book talks a lot about that. And I, I totally agree. Um, but, you know, so I read that book. And I went to therapy, um, visited with therapists. I think I had six sessions with this specific woman. And, and I remember, I think it was the second session. She just said, you're, you're really kind of kind of different <laughs> I said how so she said I've never met anybody who walks in ready to hmm. to like you're just yeah. here there's no false pretenses and I said well it's cost money like what a waste right. of time <laughs> you know I mean I'm not right. gonna do that so uh so anyway then I, I went to a, re- a week-long retreat um with uh, ended up being a group session with um three other guys and um, it just worked out that way. It's not typically that way, but it was really helpful too. And I just kind of got to the center of some things, which for me was, was some abandonment issues. And, and so I was always trying to, you know, my addiction is accomplishment. I want to get something done, right? Well, man, the world rewards that like crazy. Nobody's saying you're accomplishing too much. Slow down. Right. It just doesn't ha- ever happen. 
And so I, I kind of knew that, but it, and I mean, when I say kind of knew it, I used to say things like, I've just got to accomplish something today. I've got to do it, you know? And so getting to the why, you know, why do I feel that way? Um, so I have to plan days where I know I'm not going to accomplish anything. I mean, think about it Saturday for most people. That's really our Sabbath, right? Our day mm-hmm. of rest. And I get up on Saturday and I get, if it's like 11 o'clock and nothing's happened, I start getting irritated, not mad, but man, if I get to two or three and we've done nothing, I'm, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's going on here? And, uh, it's a lack of a fix of dopamine from having accomplished something. <laughs> right. right. And so, um, you know, working out started feeding that addiction because I accomplished something. Right. Even if it's 30 minutes on the elliptical. So all these little things, it's very difficult for me to, to kind of parse that out. And so I have, I have to ask myself why is all the time, why am I doing this? And if I don't have the right answer and the right answer is it's subjective, but it's not in your own self. Mm -hmm. Like when you, when you ask that question, you know, in your guts. So when you learn to read yourself, but I mean, I struggled, I, you know, I had abandonment issues having never met my father. I mean, there's, there's all these things that I didn't know were factors. And, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I got kind of released from a lot of those things. And so today I say this to people all the time. I've never in my entire life been busier. When I look at, and and you know this better than anybody right now, Mm -hmm. but when I look at this next month of what's in my path, (laughs) if I look at the whole month, I actually get fundamentally overwhelmed. Like I can really see going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do all these things. But then I just think it doesn't matter. I'm going to take, you know, like I've got a product I'm waiting to get today so I can do some soldering so I can accomplish Mm -hmm. things, right? Uh, It's okay. If it doesn't get here today, okay. We'll do it tomorrow or whatever. You know, I still have to make time. I go to bed. I'm going to go to bed at 11 o'clock, 1130, no matter what, no -hmm. matter if stuff's done or undone. So So does that, that sense of a, uh, I don't want to use the word system. That's not the word I'm looking for, but um, consistency has that, is that part of what's helped you keep from hitting those downward spirals because you've got a mental change that, okay, it's okay if I don't get this all done today. Yeah, man, it's, I'm, you know, you talked about using the term struggle. Mm-hmm. It is a struggle. It is a struggle. And I don't have it worked out yet. I know that I don't have it worked out. What I, I live in the world right now of recognizing super early warning signs. And so when I, when I see those things happen, I make a move right then. And a lot of it's getting help. I, by nature, already delegate a lot and I employ a lot of not actually you don't pay them <laughs> how about I, the word deploy I there de- you go you I, deploy absolutely i deploy a lot of folks um to give them some opportunity to do things they love too and so for me it's about coordinating what they love around what i need to do too and and seeing if we can make a, a pairing in that but um you know trying to take these bite-sized chunks i used to say um and i still believe this if there's anything that i do that takes 15 minutes to do at a church that belongs to a volunteer because because 15 minutes is you know, four of those, and I've got an hour of stuff I'm doing, but if I can hand that to a volunteer, and of course a lot of volunteers can do a lot more than 15 minutes, but if I hand those responsibilities to volunteers, they're contributing, they're a part of the body. They feel like they're doing something, you know, um, and it takes it off of my plate. Um, so it's just, it's just good all around. So trying to find those moments, like I naturally do that. Um, but I've had to let go of things that are bigger responsibilities or, Maybe not bigger responsibilities, but things that I want control over more than others and just say, you know, what, it's OK and just hand it off. So I don't at all have it all figured out, but I am certainly efforting to understand what 
gets me in that place. And, and I can, you know, I feel good about saying this, that given the reality that I've really, really busy and there's a lot being accomplished, I am no longer being, uh, maybe not a hundred percent, but I'm no longer being driven by the accomplishment for my sake. I'm being driven by the accomplishment for the kingdom's sake. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when, so that changes everything, right? So if I'm, if I'm accomplishing something for me, then if I don't accomplish it, I'm like, well, I'm the only one to do it because it's for me. But if I'm doing something for the kingdom and I don't get it done, it's not like God's sitting there going, well, great. Right. What are we going to do? Well, hey, it's <laughs> you know? um, earlier on in our relationship and our partnership um, at the church and even here, um, you mentioned something one day and I want you to know it's now become a part of my mentality. Mm. And uh, uh which that seems to happen more you saying something for me. So hopefully someday, someday I'll come up with <laughs> I, listen, something, but I just listen. don't tell you about it. That's all. <laughs> well, but you just, you made a comment. You're like, well, is somebody going to hell because that didn't happen? Right. Yeah. And yet that is really how we need to take it when we're approaching things from a kingdom perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, if how I would interpret what you just expressed there is if it's driven by me, then it's going to suck life out of me if it's not done. That's right. And I'm going to drill this thing until I get it done so I feel better about myself. But that need to feel better about myself or feel like I've accomplished something is driven from, and like you said, an achievement mentality. But if we flip that, and Lord, I'm doing everything for you today. Mm-hmm. You took a rest. You, I mean, <laughs> you chilled. Right. And it's your effort. It's your kingdom. And you strengthened me to do this. So, if I don't get everything done I wanted to do, it's not like people are going to hell over this. So right. we'll just rest. God renew our strength and we'll hit it again tomorrow. A great analogy as for people that are trying to get into this idea of uh, time management and production that I'm putting in place in my own life is, you know, find what what is one or two big rocks that you've got to deal with and think of those as trees. Mm. Um, if, if there's a tree in your backyard, if there was two trees in your backyard here and let's say that you walked out and you just started hacking at that tree and you've got to chop it down. Okay. The old Jeremy would be sitting there and you're going to chop until that thing is done. Right. Now you might wind up with blisters. You're going to get tired. You're going to take breaks. You might get it done in a day, Mm -hmm. but that's all you're going to get done in a day. Right. But if you go out and take another approach. I've got five really good swings in me today mm-hmm. and I'm going to hit all five as strong as I can. And then I'm going to put the ax down and I'm going to come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take another five really good swings. It might take me a week to chop that down, but I've also done a whole lot more things or pushed towards my <clears> goals <throat> within that time period. Right. Than just someone who sucked everything into one event. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, 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 it's about efficiency. You know, you have to be, um, you have to be aware of that. We're not we're not designed to just do one thing monotonously all day long. I mean, we're just not that's not who we are. People aren't designed to do that. I mean, how many there's very few people maybe I, I guess I don't want to make these carte blanche statements, but not many people that I know want to do a monotonous job all day long and like they long for that. Right. Right. There are people that do it and they do it because, you know, it gets them what they want or they don't have a choice or whatever. But it's not their, their passion, their drive. Oh, I just love to put this washer on this screw and, <laughs> right. and pass it down the line. Like nobody <laughs> loves that. Maybe they do. But um, but yeah, it, it, man, it's so interesting to me because it becomes a 
you know, where I'm a five year guy too. Like I see, see down the road right. and I have these plans. It's like, man, you got to hold on. I call it my 38 special, uh, theology and the band, not the gun. <laughs> uh, I hold on loosely, yeah, but I don't let go. Gotcha. Right. I'm not gonna let go of this. I'm gonna hold on loosely to it because yeah, it's probably going to change. Um, and so even that, I think too, when you refocus your energy on, uh, on others and having, finding a way to, to bless them and, and give them value or help them see their value, not give it to them, but help them see their value. Uh, that becomes a new labor that's worthy, you know? Yeah. So like I'm working with folks on, on a rebuild of the, at the church on some install and stuff for sound and video and different things. Well, I can go do it by myself. Right. But I've limited my time to do things to being with people because there's more value in that for them, for me, for everybody. Um, so getting things done on my own, that's that's that was another big part of this is, man, that's mm. not there's no value in that. Right. I know I can rebuild the sound system. Right. But wouldn't it be great if I could help somebody else know how to rebuild a sound system? Right. So I, I don't know, man, all of it's kind of. <laughs> It's a journey. It's a journey. And it, it'll be different. You know, I know that three years from now, I'll have different tweaks to those thoughts and sure. processes. Well, you obviously, I, I mean, I know your story. So um, I know it got really, really tough. You said you were going to take a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, what, for those who don't even know what a sabbatical is, yeah. you know, it's not a vacation. No, it's, <laughs> man, it borderlines, for a guy like me, it borderlines hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because the sabbatical is intentionally not, man. Here, great story on my sabbatical. One of the, I, it's like, okay, what is okay to do when you're supposed to be not doing exactly right? Yeah, and so it's to me, it's a, it's about planning, right? So if I've planned to do something, um, and it's like I'm going to accomplish this. Uh, there's the key word. Oh, I'm going to accomplish it, right? Yeah. So, so I switched. So I really like fire, right? I. I mean, I, I like being around fires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to Walmart and bought this fire pit and, you know, it's like a hundred dollar steel metal fire pit. And I, you know, I live in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I don't live on land. <laughs> and so <laughs> we didn't really have a good place for it. So we, Lori and I would sit out in the front driveway and I'd have this fire pit going <laughs> and it almost looked like we were homeless, yeah. <laughs> except it was at our home, you know? And we'd sit out there with this fire and I, and I was burning just, you know, I didn't have a bunch of like good wood. Yeah. I was just burning stuff. I mean, I had some wood, but anyway, and I thought, well, this is, it's not really what I want, but it did help me understand a little bit what I did want. So one day I got up on the sabbatical and decided, okay, I'm going to, I had these bricks around my front tree for, for like mm-hmm. a tram or whatever. And it, it wasn't great. It was just kind of stuff I set out there at one point. And I thought, I'm going to make a fire pit out of that. So I went in the backyard and I just put the metal fire pit on the ground. Mm-hmm. And put it, the bricks around and it. And then put the bricks around it as, as a template. Cool. Of course, I pulled the fire or that part out. But even before I did that, I thought, well, I'm going to get some barrier. So I just laid out some barrier. So I just went, made a couple runs to Lowe's and... Next thing you know, without intending to do it, I had built this big fire pit outside, which of course you've been around. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny to me because I it was an accomplishment, that's for sure. But it was not a set out. I didn't set out to accomplish it. Um, I set out to relax. And I'm like, man, if I built a good fire pit out here, this would be how I want to relax. And so all of it, it took me, man, it took about three or four weeks to do a job I could have done in a day. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because I did it. I just moseyed and it's like today I'm going to do this and today I'm going to do this. But at no point did I think tomorrow I'm going to do this. Right. And that is a massive distinction. Mm-hmm. I literally got up and said, okay. I started spending my days asking, used to, I, I've done this for years. I get up in the morning and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? But that's in conjunction with my existing plans. Right. <laughs> so during the sabbatical, I was learning how to get up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I have nothing. It's your call. Mm-hmm. Nothing I have to do or want to do even. I mean, probably that's not true, but <laughs> the want part. But, you know, now uh, I, I live that life on the daily. And, you know, from a standpoint of podcasting and stuff, it's just easier to, um, you know, when I, I have a lot, for example, today going, every time I st- set a plan for something, I feel the stress needle go up. Yeah. There's a requirement to planning some things, but not everything. So I I had some things scheduled this afternoon. I texted uh, the person to see if they were still on and uh, some for some reasons I, I kind of figured they might not be. And so it turned into a phone call instead of a in-person meeting, which is ideal for what I would like to do today. But I was willing to do something different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, that, that mentality of just taking it um, and, and riding the wave, you know, I, I'm sure some people who've listened to anything I've done, like religiously have heard this analogy before, but what the Lord had unfolded to me about getting in the river and riding this river, mm-hmm. it's real simple. Right. And did I talk about it on the last podcast? I, th- I, don't, I don't, I don't think we did. I think you and I have talked, we've about, talked it. about it. My analogy of what you're about to express is surfing, but it's yeah, the same right, deal. Right. So, so when I was on my, my sabbatical in 2020, one of the things, or sorry, not 2020, my first one in, in 2010, the Lord showed me, you know, when you get into a canoe to and you get on a river, you have three options, and those three options are real simple. You can paddle upstream, you can paddle downstream, or you can not paddle. All of them, every option still has you ending up in the same place. Mm-hmm. But two of those options have you ending up in the same place exhausted. Right. And... You paddle upstream, obviously you get exhausted, you tire out, then you stop paddling and you're going to float downstream. Right. You paddle downstream, you get exhausted, and you get to where you're going early. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem, especially like if you're on one of those tour float things. And you meet, you're supposed to meet somebody there. <laughs> exactly. You're just there. And now what? You're sitting on a rock for an hour waiting for everybody else to get there. When you just let the current take you, you're not tired. You're very relaxed. But guess what? You still... Get where you're going. Right. And that's how God has designed us. He's like, dude, just ride my river mm-hmm. or ride your wave, you know, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that, man, that's hard for for me to do. But every time that I start, when I do that and I see the end result, it becomes easier each time because the end result is far greater than anything I could have set out to do. And, and you know, we've talked about that too. I, I believe this with everything that's in me that the greatest impact any of us will ever have in the world will likely never be known by us. No. We won't know what that thing no. was. And so it takes so much pressure off of trying to go have impact when you recognize that you're probably not going to have the impact that you maybe have already had anyway. Right. So stop trying and just be with him every day. Be a tool in his hand. And sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. You don't need to be both. Yeah, agreed. Just totally. If you're in the box today, you're in the box. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the hammer's actions. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you obviously 
were depleted at some point, mm-hmm. especially if your therapist suggested Wayne's book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, did you, and I know you went to counseling, but um, you know, mental health, renewing ourselves, getting ourselves strong again, uh, sometimes takes not just a sabbatical hanging out at your house, but sometimes it takes going away. Yeah. Changing your location so you can change your direction. Yeah. Did, did that happen for you? Man. And would you talk, feel comfortable talking about that? For yeah. Me? I wanted to go away. Like I wanted to leave the state. And I think that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to, in fact, what I will say is this, my, my sabbatical in 2020 was not good in a lot of ways. Um, the, uh, you know, I don't want to get into a lot of the messy details of it, but basically, uh, the organization I was with really, it started off really good. And, and I think their intent the whole time was, was good for the most part. Um, I mean, it's a group of people, right. It's, um, a board and elder group and other leadership. So, so they were all on board, but I think it, what happened was in their effort to take care of me, uh, spiritually, one of the first real big missteps. And I think they've learned a lot from it too, which I, I think is good was the idea was, Hey, we don't want you thinking about this place, the church, you know, and we don't want you worrying about stuff. So just, we don't even want to see you. Well, that, that mm. really just said, Hey, it's like kicking me out of my home, right? Yeah. This is my spiritual family. And so that hurt, I expressed that hurt and I don't think they know what to do with someone who's really honest like I wasn't mean about it. I don't think, (laughs) but sometimes when people are really direct and honest, it's like, what are they really saying? And you're like, no, that is what I'm really saying. But it was just like, well, I don't have that. So, so that just kind of snowballed into kind of a massive mess, you know, um, which ultimately translated in me leaving that organization. And, and so on the one hand, it was, it was really good. I didn't get to go away. Like I wanted to, I had some opportunity, and I really should have taken this this guy up on. I had a, a friend of mine who uh, is a missionary in Africa, and man, he didn't know hardly anything is going on. But um, I just made a post on Facebook about taking a sabbatical. I think I said that, yeah, um, or just some sort of break. Anyway, he messages me, and and we became friends while he was a missionary in Africa. It's not like we spent a ton of time together, but God really knit our hearts together in a lot of ways. Um, he's got the coolest name ever too. I always like to say it cause it's Shadrach black. <laughs> I just, sounds like a comic book. Character. It does, man. It's like, I love the guy anyway. So Shadrach, uh, he's like, Hey, can I call you? And I'm like, you're, you're in the West coast of Africa. Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so he called and we talked and he said, man, I, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but he's like, have you ever heard of this term burnout? <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm very aware of it. But he, Anyway, we talked. It was a great conversation, but he offered to put me up um, in, I want to say he was in Senegal, and right on the beach, he said, you got a place to stay. You can come. Your family can come. Whatever you want to do. No time limits. We'll just take care of you. Um, Really, all I had to do was get there, and, um, you know, this was right as COVID's doing its thing. So, ultimately, what I ended up, I didn't travel because I didn't know. Right. What that would ultimately mean. But, you know, I think, and that was really it. I think a big part of it too is getting away. It was, was hard to do because this is kind of, you know, it wasn't in March where everything really shut down, but it was February. We were getting there. Where we're getting there. And you just never knew what was coming. Right. So, 
I do think that's key. I think it's really important to get yourself out of the circumstance. Um, for me staying home, what I did is I poured myself into woodworking. Um, again, not for accomplishment, but just, just to it help me think, clear my mind a little bit. I've always gotten into hobbies that, that, you know, you, you, for me, I have never been diagnosed, but I'm fairly certain I'm ADHD, mm-hmm. um, or some form of that. I think that's why we are such great friends. Probably. I'm ADD, ain't no doubt <laughs> yeah. about it. And, and it's something you described. That's why I say that is something you described is exactly what I need to do. I used to tell people like when I'm listening to a message, I used to have to play a game on my phone to hear the message mm-hmm. because if I was listening to it, my, my eyes and mind would start wondering on imperfections in the room or some, mm-hmm. some distraction. Um, I don't have to do that now, which is kind of cool. I've, I've worked, uh, I mean, sometimes I probably do, but I really have learned to focus better, but um, but that's kind of those hobbies would do that for me. So it used to be riding motorcycles, um, something that really takes concentration, but, but automated concentration. Right. And then all of a sudden I could think and do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. exercising yeah. does that, you know, I'm working on the elliptical and I can think clearly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think doing those kind of things really helped, um, help me kind of get, get some clarity and, and get away. But man, ideally, yeah, it would have been great to. And it would have been great to go with just my wife somewhere because um, there's nothing really for me more therapeutic than spending alone time with just my wife, no kids. Right. Um, it just, she knows me. I know mm-hmm. her. Yeah, it's good. Did you ever go to a retreat center or a counseling center? Well, yeah, I did do uh, the Green Shoe Retreat um, for that week. You know, I talked about meeting with those guys um, and that's and that was, that was fantastic. I highly recommend that place. Now, when did you do that? Was that the first sabbatical or the second? It was the second and it was... So basically I had planned on doing that from the day that the sabbatical started, like before it started, I had scheduled it. Um, in fact, it was the week of Valentine's day and that's mm-hmm. why they're, they're normally packed, but that week they had, cause they would normally run like five or six groups of five mm-hmm. people that week. They had four people total. Mm-hmm. So we had the place to ourselves, which was really ideal for me, I think. Um, but I had scheduled that and then I asked them, I said, can I get into counseling? Just, I don't want to sit around and wait for that day to show up. It was a month away at that point. So I found a, a therapist and started meeting with her just to start doing something. Right. Um, but yeah, the retreat was fantastic. And I, you know, I recommend anybody do it. I think it's it mostly was for codependency, um, which I think everybody's got pieces of that in their life. I would agree. Um, but, uh, and, and most of the people that go are addicted to substance, something, and most of it is a substance, right? Um, for me, it was not a substance. It was just, it was accomplishment. And, and figuring that out was a big deal. I needed to figure that out because I was out of place at first. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know. And I, I think one of the things that stuck out to me, and, and maybe this will speak to somebody, one of the things that a codependent person will do is they'll minimize big things. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's called minimalization in the you know list of things, but <clears throat> I had, uh, I'd been abused as a kid and I had never met my father. Right. So <laughs> one of the guys in the room, we're just kind of talking and he said, um, I'm not sure that I should even be here. It's not. And he's literally said this. He said, it's not like I never knew my father or I was abused or anything. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, it just woke me up for him. That was like, man, you definitely need to be here. For me, those things were not even factors. Right. 
And so I just kind of went, wow, <laughs> he just hit the things that have happened in my life. And, and that's just two of a bunch of things as right. I started unfolding and unraveling all that. Um, but I think too, you know, I've said this before, the biggest person that had impact in my life or the person that's had the most impact in my life, um, has been my, my father who I've never met. And I say that because I, he has not knowing my mm-hmm. biological father has had massive impact in my life. I didn't know it or recognize it, right. but it would be like saying to somebody who was born blind, how, you know, yes, not, not having sight was the biggest impact right. in their life. They just don't sure. know it. Right. Totally. Um, and that's really what it was like for me. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And mm-hmm. you get pieces and glimpses of it when, you know, when I become a father and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is, right. you have moments where you feel a certain way about your kids and you think, oh my gosh, like I didn't have that. Right. And wow, that's a big deal. Now I love the fact that I have people in my life who were my father figures and sure. truly fathered me all the way still do sure. today. Um, and, and in a way I feel there's an advantage to that. I think some people maybe don't get into that because they have a father, uh, where since I didn't have that, I sought that and, uh, was more intentional about it. And I would encourage anybody, you know, it's not like putting this weird pressure on somebody to be a dad, but, but glean from people what you can glean, um, in that way, you know, teaching, you know, I I had one of my first sermons ever is kind of crazy. Um, when I came back from my first sabbatical, I was asked to preach a message and, um, the church that I was going to, um, the day I visited, first time I visited was father's day of 2012. And here we are a year later and I'm asked to preach on father's day of 2013. Mm -hmm. And it became a a habit and it was really coincidental for the first five years, (laughs) ironically. And I would bring it up. Did you know it's father's day again? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I would preach every father's day and I just thought this is the strangest thing that a guy doesn't have a dad or never knew his dad is preaching on father's day. And, but that first one, I had a list of like 11 guys that had been father figures in my life. And I talked about them and what they showed, you know, had, had taught me and mm-hmm. what I learned from them. And, you know, I think realizing that those things have an impact in your life I and mean, we've got to dig deep and we have to right. be willing to, to churn up the crap that sucks and hurts and get emotional when you don't want to get emotional if you don't ever do that, man, you keep pressing things down. You're, you're destined to go around the mountain over and over and over again. And, and, you know, we see erosion on things. You know, if you, if you take sandpaper and you, you take it to the wood surface, you can see the result on the wood surface. And we, we look at that all the time, but we have to remember the sandpaper is getting a result too. Mm -hmm. It wears out too. So when you may be going around this mountain and you're blazing a trail, you're getting worn out too. Right. You're getting worn down too. And, until you're honest, man, and this is one of my big goals in life. I want to get people to say what they really mean because until that moment, man, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people are stuck and I have no idea. No idea they're stuck. Most definitely. So you just get them to, to talk. <laughs> and it usually starts with me going, why do you think that? Ha-? I feel like sometimes I'm a therapist not meaning to be. Well, I think, you know? I think for, uh, you know, we've talked about already the book, um, leading on empty, um, Maybe we can put an additional book link in there. I want to do a podcast just around this book one day, maybe do a couple of them because one of the books that has influenced me a lot is called um, everything begins with why it all begins Mm -hmm. with why. Um, And when I read that book, um, it really helped me to understand 
that I think the reason why some of us talk out of our emotions and we react out of our emotions is because we don't know why we feel the way that we do. Right. You know, when we encounter something and we have a strong opinion, okay, that's great that you have an opinion, but if you'll drill down, why do you feel this way about this? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, why is, if, if it's kind of this forceful reaction, when I have that forceful reaction now, I'm pausing and going, okay, why there's something else here. This, this issue or this problem isn't really driving this emotion. What, you know, do I feel threatened by this? Mm -hmm. Why do I feel threatened by this? You know, do, uh, do you understand what I'm saying? I totally understand Um, what you're saying. Everything begins with why. And most of us need to drill down to find the whys we feel the way we do. We act the way we do. We respond Mm -hmm. the way we do. And if you don't deal with the whys, man, you'll, you'll get in that downward spiral. Um, I don't think a lot of people know to ask why. I don't think that my first job, I remember going into the pastor's office. They, he called all of the staff in to talk about something we did wrong, <laughs> right? And I go into this room, and the other two, I didn't, it wasn't my thing, right? He was talking to the whole group, but it was, we knew this guy had done the thing wrong, whatever it was. And I say wrong, it wasn't like a major sin. <laughs> Just Sure. But anyway, he kind of corrects all of us. And I left so frustrated and, and mad. And the other two guys were fine. They didn't care. And and I had to think, why am I mad? Because at first it seemed obvious I was mad because I didn't do anything wrong. But it wasn't that. That wasn't the thing because we all knew what was going on. What it was was I wanted to be above that. I, I didn't want to have to be called in and corrected. I wanted to have done it right the first time. And that's when I started realizing I want, like it was approval. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a rejection. If you got to come in, call me and correct me, then I'm somehow less valuable to you, or I'm I've been rejected. I'm not good enough, or whatever it was. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Right. None of that's real. None of that's real. And that that was an early on why that I had to work through. But it taught me to even learn to ask why. Mm-hmm. Why did I get mad about the mask mandate? Right. I didn't care about a mask thing early on. So why am I mad about it now? When I answer that question. And realize what's there, then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, okay, and I can move on. Sure. I just I, even, I figured I want to occupy the rest of your time. <laughs> no, you're fine, dude. Come on, man. This is great. Even in the um, as as we're um, progressing through life, both of us have had those uh, whirlwind moments where you just kind of get caught, and then and then downward spiral is, yeah. is really what I meant. Yeah. Um, we all have those. I still have them. I'm sure you do. The difference is as you go through them and you learn, you learn how to get yourself out of them quick. Right. You know, so that you don't get sucked way, way down in, into a depression state um, or what have you. So if you're listening today, um, one of the great things that God can bring us is not just Jesus. Jesus is the greatest thing we all need. But the next greatest thing that he gives us is people in our life. Mm-hmm. And... um there's two phrases that I've been using. Uh, one of them is I've used for a long time um, that real friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And most of us don't have a lot of real friends in our life. Yeah. Um, because if you're a real friend, you're going to risk the relationship because you care about that person. If you're just a friend, you're you're just going to let something go because you don't want to make somebody upset. Mm-hmm. But if I really care about you, I may be wrong, but even if I'm wrong, if I'm willing to risk it, 
that's communicating, hey, you're important to me enough for me to tell you what I'm sensing or, or seeing. Yeah. Um, and we need real friends, and that will be the smallest circle around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's one thing is look around your friend pool. Who do, who do you think would tell you or tries to tell you what you need to hear, but maybe not what nobody wants to be told <laughs> that, hey, man, you got an alcohol problem. Right. Now, the alcoholic probably knows he's got an issue. I mean, he can't go days without drinking, you know, but nobody wants to hear that. But a real friend doing that intervention is proving, hey, you're this valuable to us mm-hmm. and we want this to help you. So that's one phrase. Uh, real friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Here's a second one. You kind of hit on it, the idea behind it. Um, I'm still massaging this idea, <laughs> but um, with reductionism or minimalization. Yeah. If you're too big for the small things, you're too small for the big thing. It's a good. It's I mean, good. Because everybody wants to do the big thing. Mm-hmm. But if we don't see the value in the small things. So uh, one of the things that I've insisted in my family, um, I read a book one time because I'm always reading and I'm not, I'm somewhat accomplished driven, but what kind of going through my downward spiral, I started looking at small things. I started looking for quick, easy victories. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I may make somebody, you know, you probably aren't going to agree with me listeners, but just hear me out for a minute. That's why the first thing I do every morning, sometimes before I get dressed, but definitely before I leave, is I make my bed. Mm-hmm. That's an easy win every single day. There's studies on it. You know the studies? No, I don't. Oh, I just wow. read a book by a, a Navy uh, sergeant mm-hmm. who's now famous. He's got a little bitty book out there that's centered around this idea of why I make my bed every day. And I grabbed a hold of that. I said, there's an easy win. I can start off with an easy win every single day. And when you're in the middle of it and the bed is made, I walk out even this morning. I mean, I'm, I'm praying every morning. So I'm up and out of the house by six, Mm -hmm. you know, and going down to pray. And I know I've made my bed, but do you know when I really get the benefit Hmm. when I get home Yeah, and you walk in and it's like, wow, this place is, it's peaceful. It's not chaotic. Right. I'm coming out of a chaotic world and I can walk into my, Hey, this is, yeah. A small thing in the morning mm-hmm. pays big dividends later on. Yeah. And if we all can find those little wins and really make them important to us, mm-hmm. they can prove to help us have a calm environment and a place where we can unwind and let God kind of recharge us a little yeah. bit. It's really a real thing. I didn't know about the studies till I started. I started making my bed because, you know, you, <laughs> I don't know how you were. I grew up being told I had to make my bed. Never did. Never got disciplined for it. So I just, that was my thing, right? And I always thought it was weird. It's like, man, why do these covers get so out of whack? Well, that's one thing. You make your bed every day. The covers never get out of whack. Not on one night of sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I found myself, um, we had, you know, I built some new furniture for the bedroom and, and we put new flooring in. It's like, I want it to be nice in here. And so I started making the bed every day and I got so much more done and I was talking to somebody about this and they're like, yeah, there's a study done that multiple studies, but this one was talking about how people who make their bed accomplish as much as two or three times more than a person who doesn't just because of that one thing. Cause you're starting your day doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, um, that was amplified radically getting that bed made. And I can actually go back and there are days where I don't make the bed today. I mean, I try to, Mm-hmm. often but i've gone into you know bad 
gotten back into some bad habits, but, um, I can tell, I can tell that when I don't make the bed, it's different. And mm-hmm. to your point, you come home and everything's in order. Mm-hmm. That's where you feel like you can relax. Exactly. It's like clutter. You know, there comes a point where you have so much clutter in your life and it's a representation of your mentality. It really is. Yes, it is. Um, and so you just kind of give up. It's too big of a thing to tackle. And so I'd encourage anybody, man, don't look at all the things you have to tackle. Just tackle one thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And making your bed's a good one or you know, anything, clean out a closet or, or just any one thing that you can tackle can to adjust that mentality, get you out of the spiral of just giving up basically. Right. Well, I want to encourage you even in that regard, you know, start making your bed. Come on folks. But, <laughs> um, I will say that the reason why it's such an accomplishment for me is because I do like getting up and getting my day going. And every morning it, the thought comes into my mind, okay, do I really need to take the five minutes it takes to make this bed? Or I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And on the days that I don't win that battle are the days that I need to make it the most. Right. And so it's like, even today I was a little short on time and I thought, man, if I don't hurry, cause I slept in five extra minutes and uh, if I don't hurry, I'm not going to give myself enough margin and I might not get on on time. And I stopped and set my bag down and said, no, it's too important to me to keep this habit in my life mm-hmm. and, and make the bed and know that I'm starting out with a win. And do you know what? I made it on time. Yeah. So um, let's, my encouragement is don't give yourself excuses. Find out where you want to be, who you want to be, find the steps to get you there. Take breaks when you need to, you know, maybe for you, it's not a sabbatical, but maybe for you, it's just taking an afternoon um, and finding that hobby. You know, maybe it's woodworking. For me, it used to be golf. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm even simpler. I just like to go driving. Yeah. But I like driving with no sound, no noise. Just to drive sometimes is a great way to decompress. But find your way. And my prayer for you is that you'll come to understand that God really does value you. He's created you to fulfill a purpose, not just to exist. But listen to me. Your value to him is not based on what you do. Hmm. Your value to him is who you are. So embrace who you are, but work hard to become who God wants you to be. Because, friend, the world needs a renewed you. Thanks for joining us today. My friend Jeremy Griffin, creator of Stream Grace Network. Check out the other podcast right here. I'm John Yule. We will see you next time on the next episode of Renewed You.